The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanillo with Jim Cramer at the New York Stock Exchange. Faber's remote today. Final week of Q2. It'll be busy. PMIs, ISM, OPEC, Jobs Friday. We're going to watch some crypto, some infrastructure, pharma, even some good old-fashioned weekend box office. Our roadmap this morning begins with, though, uh, the market records. S&P's trying to hold on to new highs, coming off its best week since February. Plus, we've got, house, uh, we've got uh, Boeing under pressure this morning, the FAA signaling that the company will likely not receive certification for its 777X long-range aircraft until mid to late 2023, and that is at the earliest. And gene editing, it's arrived, guys. Researchers report positive results from the first in-human trial of a CRISPR-based treatment for a genetic nerve disorder. And Carl, those stocks, at least some of them, are soaring. Yeah, we're, Jim's hot to talk about that. Although this midway point of the year, Jim, is going to give us a chance to put the first half into some perspective, right? It is. Uh, it's tough not to be bullish. I know that uh, Mike Sintel had a good piece about how it's a choppy time, but I would come back and say there's no real uh, earnings news. We do have some news that I think uh, might stay hot, might still put some pressure on Jay Powell. But John Hatz, uh, John Hatzius did a note about this weekend, very interesting, about that it's temporal. So you know, we got that going. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, of kind of extraneous news. You talked about the memes, uh, CRISPR, uh, that is uh, very positive for highest growth. I don't know. It's, you know, I, because we have to do our own allocations, I took some money, uh, some money off the table just because of my age. I regret it. <laughs> I regret it. I mean, not because I'm going to live forever, but because, you know, darn it. I mean, I can't stand the fact that I got a little older because this is one run. David, I've got to tell you, don't get old and stay long. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's nothing I can do about that first part there, uh, Jim. But, you're, you know, your point's a good one, although we do tell people to allocate appropriately for their age. Jim Stewart comes on all the time talking about things of that nature. And it's good advice, you know, even if it's tough to follow it. It's funny you mention that because I, Jim and I and uh, his partner, Benjamin, were out at my uh, summer at my new farm that I bought with Bitcoin. <laughs> and all we could do was just talk about how because we got older. Of course, he got younger. But uh, as we got older, we had to start re, you know, kind of questioning how much we own. Uh, because we all have, uh, you know, issues where you don't want to have to get rich twice. But I got to tell you, Carl, this this is one of the more um, buoyant markets I've ever seen. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, taking money off the table is not advised right, right now. It's, it's actually a really interesting point, Jim, especially the way that growth 
is going to finish the first half with some momentum, up for the month, almost 5%. Yes. Values up less than 1%. The market seems comfortable with the perceived rate of hikes, the idea that these price increases will fade over time. As you mentioned, Goldman reiterating, I think, year-end target on the 10-year, 195. Right. That's JPM, but well, same uh, story. Look, uh, every time I want to go really bullish, something happens on uh, the commodity side. Uh, the, the temperatures for corn, I mean, corn is like popping uh, where, where you have it. So perhaps corn could be uh, a, a new uh, problem just as we conquer the, the uh, chip shortage, which I am telling you is coming to an end, which is great for autos. Uh, steel, still flying. Uh, but iron ore come down a little. I, I, I think that you know, paper stocks starting to move, but chemicals starting to go down a little. So my ultimate uh, sign is, is that it is temporary, that Powell will win, that he wants to get uh, wants to at least get to October when we see how how well uh, new jobs are created, whether jobs can be filled. Now, there are like the there are dispute about the states that have let the uh Expiration right. of the benefits. Some say that it's really allowed people to get jobs. I mean, I, you know, I was with my manager's manager this weekend from my bar, and he said, you know, we're all hoping in the restaurant industry that somehow, Carl, uh, there will be more people who really want to go to work because everybody's shorthanded. Yeah. Well, David, uh, it's interesting. Uh, there is a good piece. I think it's in the journal today looking at states where they have cut the supplemental, and we'll see whether or not that makes itself yeah. seen this Friday. But I think already uh, – B of A's at 800K, Morgan Stanley 620K. So you would be looking at some, you know, if that that comes true, some net acceleration from the prior month. Yeah, well, yeah, you just mentioned the big numbers, and I saw that B of A number as well, the 800,000. Interesting, guys. I'm sure you both saw the different takes on uh, the states. I think the New York Times had a different take than the journal did, Carl, uh, in terms of the same data, which is always uh, always fascinating. Um, and, And then, you know, Jim, you talk about, Supply disruptions. We had a full screen up there in terms of the supply chain that may run its course, but it doesn't mean that it isn't quite frustrating right now for a lot of businesses because it is a mess out there and it's across the board. You know, it's it's in dealing with so many different industries right now where there are significant disruptions in just getting goods into stores and goods to people. Boy, Dave, you're so right. I I read to the New York Times saying, hey, listen, no help. And the journal saying help. But, David, this port issue, which we keep thinking has got to go away because, I mean, come on. I mean, can't just solve anything like this with technology. It is not stopping. Uh, Also, we should note, uh, and and I know Dr. Gottlieb talks about this, but, I mean, China's back with uh, with COVID. Russia's got a lot of COVID. Uh, Indonesia with COVID. So what's happened is when China has COVID, it, they shut things down. And you're talking about bringing in stuff for Christmas right now. Uh, I know the rails are being hurt by it. I know Union Pacific, my trust owns that. I'm concerned about ports. J.B. Hunt, positive note today because we need truckers and they can raise rates. Uh, but Carl, one of the things that just amazes me is there was something that the president said last week. People were asking about this, and he whispered, pay people more. And maybe that's what has to happen. You have to pay people more, and they will find a way to get truckers, find a way to do ports. But the president uh, then in the same sentence, kind of in the same paragraph, then kind of ruined the infrastructure. It looks like it's back on. You had to watch the Sunday shows to see whether things were back on. They did clean some of that up. But to your point, Jim, uh, about about the jobs number and and infrastructure, I guess— I don't know. I mean, we were thinking that Q2 
would come with a lot of margin commentary, you know, uh, conference right. calls talking about price pressure. Nike, Darden, and FedEx all closed the week higher last week. Yeah, I mean, look, the FedEx was uh, really incredible. I mean, here we had a lot of people saying it, was, it wasn't a good number. And, David, I read every piece of research on FedEx, plus the conference call, where Fred Smith started, unfortunately, by saying, listen, we're having some labor issues. Then the rest is good. David, uh, you have Darden. They have to hire more people. Now, you can claim that's last man standing. FedEx has unbelievable because of e-commerce. E-commerce has really sopped up a lot of hiring. I come back and say, these were companies that I thought were going to create a narrative that made you think that things had to get tough out there. They're not, David. These companies are passing it on. They are making a lot of money. And they are winners. And those are stocks that I want to own. Those, let's not forget, these are companies that have stocks. FedEx is going much higher. Okay? Darden is going much higher. Why? Because they are winners in their categories. Now, you had questioned that move down initially in FedEx on Friday after the numbers. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, we're right to have done so, it appears, at least at this point. We'll see how Nike performs after that very strong session on Friday, responding, of course, to those blowout numbers. We've raised the questions in terms of their business in China. Uh, we went into that in detail on Friday, Jim. But you're right. Uh, listen, these companies are, are doing quite well, despite what may be those so-called uh, supply disruptions. I was shocked that, that Nike could have all, Nike U.S. was the strongest of the areas. Now, Nike, you could have argued that there was weakness in China. There definitely was. But there was not a boycott. And that's what the shorts got wrong. No boycott. Carl, I'm not saying that U.S.-China result uh, any good. No. I am saying that U.S.-China business, so far not so bad. And because I had Kevin Johnson on from Starbucks. They're, they're by China, for China. It looks like that if you do a lot for the Chinese, your company is going to stay strong. I like that story. Yeah. Well, speaking of all of that, uh, Boeing is a story today. Uh, there's a couple different stories. The 777X, long range, not likely to be certified by the FAA until mid to late 2023. That's according to a letter from an FAA official to Boeing obtained by CNBC, which details some of the technical issues that must be resolved before that aircraft is approved. Other stories, Jim, say the MAX, uh, it's getting sticky, getting past China regulators. Although at the same time, United apparently is working on an order that would make history. Blowout order. Uh, and that's good. I mean, United, that always shows you that things are wide open. I think we all, I never want to stop this boring 20 scenario. I mean, holy cow. Uh, no breakthrough at all with China for Boeing? None whatsoever. Want to make that really clear. David, no matter what, uh, Boeing is claiming right now, and we listened to, obviously, to Phil on this, that all this that is involving the 777 was well known. What I always find, David, that's interesting is when I follow Boeing really, really close, and what was well known is not known by me. So maybe it's well known by the CEO. Who is it well known by? If it's not well known, maybe Phil, maybe not. I mean, I, I got to think it's a close-knit people, right? Close-knit group where it's well known. Well, Jim, as somebody who follows you closely, given I typically am uh, actually physically uh, close to you as well, um, you've changed your tune on Boeing lately. And you seem to be, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'll let you speak after this, but you do seem to be concerned about execution at the company. And I've heard you be critical of management in a way that I hadn't uh, until very recently. That's very true. Uh, CFO leaving, uh, Greg Smith, I think he was a very operational CFO. Uh, waiting for Calhoun to be able to say, OK, look, we've had some problems with unions, have some problems with something, because do you continually miss? Now, I know they can say, hey, the FAA doesn't like us because of the max. Uh, you know, like the FAA, what is it like? A, 
you know, a touchy-feely organization. I mean, look, if the plane is ready, it's ready. Uh, but the execution issues here are terrible. And, and I think that anyone who doesn't think that has got their eyes closed. Uh, Gary Kelly uh, did say momentarily the execution issues weren't perfect there. But what bothers me is the lack of recognition by senior man, by CEO, huh? CEO saying, listen, we had a lot of problems. I want to hear we had a lot of problems and we are going to get out of Chicago and we are going to go to the factory floor. I'm going to go to the factory floor until this is ready. I'm not seeing that. Maybe it is. But I am not seeing the kind of crisis management that I would be used to. So when I see 777 have a problem, and, but the timeline is the same, I want to know why they didn't tell us, look, the FAA, why do I have to learn from the FAA? Why don't I just learn from the company that, look, we got some issues? And the answer is blindside, blindside, blindside. I'm tired of being blindsided by a great American company. It sounds, though, like you think it might be more in the comms area than actual execution. I think maybe? there's comms, but there's also, I would love to be able to hear, all right, guys, here's where we are on all of our programs. And we have real problems in this program, this program, this program, but we're going to fix it. Carl, I think that's what a great American company does. And I'm not getting that. All right. Uh, we will watch Boeing. Uh, it's going to be a mover at the open. Uh, when we come back, uh, some gene editing news sparking a big rally and some biotech names. We've got some details on that. Got a lot of interesting calls today. Microsoft, Shopify, Tesla, uh, AMC's a story on this uh, box office weekend. And another suspension yes. of uh, GameStop out of Baird, as they say. Oh, I love that. Just throwing... oh, that was going to be my stop trading, for heaven's sake. <laughs> throwing up their hands again. Uh, more Squawk on the Street from the New York Stock Exchange. Straight ahead. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Shei, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Well, we've got some news this morning on the biotechnology front that you're taking a look at shares of Biogen. The House Oversight Committee announcing an investigation into the approval and pricing of Biogen's Alzheimer's drug. Jim and I were talking a bit about that last week. We'll get to that. But separately, we've also got a positive story, perhaps. Uh, shares of Intellia Therapeutics, they are soaring. You can see that up 57%. This on uh, news from the company and its partner, Regeneron. They've announced positive results in a phase one still phase one, but it's a study of CRISPR-based gene editing, a treatment for a genetic nerve disorder, guys. CRISPR therapeutics, you see, Editas Medicine, 
all up sharply. Regeneron, not quite as much. Jim, it's phase one, but it's a new, it's the first therapeutic use for gene editing for CRISPR and certainly viewed as a potentially very positive development. Yeah, uh, look, this is great news because this is the technology. When we first realized that Moderna had an RNA technology that was incredible for us, and I think that the fact that it's phase one and yet they're still talking about it shows you that there's something very early. David, you know, these are Kathy Woodstock. This is her. I mean, CRISPR, she is a visionary on this. It's obvious that this is something that is going to work. I know that uh, there is no doubt that Regeneron's involved, but they don't want to take any credit for what's going on here. Uh, Carl, this could be the beginning of a whole, this is a very rare disease, but, you know, gene editing is the secret for the next generation. Have you read Isaacson's uh, book, Codebreaker? No, no, it's good, Uh, isn't it? All about how the personalities, as he does, delving into the lives of people who were making this new chapter of American medicine, uh, global medicine. You know what? You don't win the Nobel Prize for doing nothing, right? That's one of the things I've learned. <laughs> Just, I'm early on that. Okay. I'm early on that. Not unlike David, when you called me out on, uh, on uh, President Trump about to win the Nobel Prize for, uh, for, for making the relations with North Korea, South Korea stabilized. I was early on that, too. Mm, yeah. Yeah, you were. Yeah, early and wrong, uh, which is, you know, not, not necessarily something that yeah, doesn't happens with you. Um, you know, Jim, talking about being early, things, though, <laughs> you do. You, got, you take a shot. You're never one shy from taking a shot. You may be dead wrong, but you take a shot. But that was a Ben Simmons um, shot. You miss 100 percent, Jim, <laughs> yes. of the shots. Ben Simmons I, and I have the same record from the uh, free throw line when it came to that particular analysis. <laughs> Oh. Now, Chris Paul oh, from the painful. free throw line, that was a thing of beauty this weekend, right? What, 90-plus percent? I don't know how that like a machine. No, and like then, then Faber's team. Uh, well, actually, it's really much more Scott Wapner's team. Yes. Walking. Yes. Coming through. Yes. David, you know these, these, these uh, hedge funds that own yeah, uh, teams? I mean, uh, uh, how do you yes. do that? Yes, I'm, I'm do aware that? of the ownership of, of Milwaukee. They're doing pretty well. And then Bomber, Bomber's got uh, the Clippers, and yeah. It's going okay. I mean, David, um, well, how do you be run a hedge that, fund and not own a the... pro team? What do we think about the hedge funds that don't own pro teams? Are they losers? You hold you hold your head down in shame. You you hold your head in shame. Yeah. <laughs> Tepper um, owns the uh, Panthers. As a Mets you know, fan, and I think he knows. A, I think he knows yes. a couple of players. He's un, he knows the names. Yes, I think Mr. Tepper. You know, as yeah. a, same uh, with Kraft as, Jones. As, you know. As, yeah. 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 As a Mets fan, yeah. I'm certainly very happy with the ownership of Mr. Cohen. Guys, before we you go, let's be. get well, to the other part great. of what we mentioned there, which is, uh, which is Biogen, Jim. Uh, you know, this prospect of the U.S. government through Medicare having to pay who knows how much money to cover $56,000 a year in treatment. I mean, you've got now some Democrats taking a look at the FDA and the decision making that went on there to approve the drug. But this could be very interesting uh, as it moves forward and perhaps an unwillingness on the part of some insurers to step up here as well as the U.S. government. David, uh, I deal with a number of the uh, of the health insurers, health maintenance. They were so quick to point out that this ain't going to happen, that they're not paying this uh, and that it's outrageous, particularly because there's not a lot of proof that it works. So I think you're on to something. I think that this is all a bit of a pie in the sky. Carl, as much as we all want to take this, the only there's never been a long range study, which is what you need. And uh, they're not standing for yeah, it. I, I mean, we had the news about the House committees. Uh, and then today, RBC goes 400 to 354. Right. 
So there's a little skepticism. Yes, in. and I think that skepticism is right. I think Eli Lilly uh, stock is too high. It's good to take profits on that one uh, because that's also a, that's a me too drug. They do the same thing. And I just have to tell you that when you see those price tags, I think that's a thing of the past. I think that there's going to be a lot of pushback. That's something that Congress is united on. Very it's, rare. We've been saying that for a long time. But these prices, yeah. these prices just bankrupt the system. I mean, everybody, under the way that they are describing this drug, everybody in America would take it. Everyone in America, we can't. We can't afford it. Right. Country can't afford it. Uh, we're going to watch that, obviously. Uh, pharma, a big story. Also on the COVID front, too, with some new news about whether or not we need a booster in the fall. I know. Uh, we'll get to that. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash, the opening bell on this Monday morning on the final week of the first half of the year. Don't go away. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, six and a half minutes before we get started with trading for this week. Let's get to our first mad dash as we count you down to that opening bell. Tesla had having a pretty good move lately, Jim, hasn't it? Yes, it has. But Wed Bush says that this is this China situation with the recall. Moment of truth, David. That's the term they use. 285,000 cars, safety on autopilot. Uh, by the way, Tony Saganegi comes out and says that the uh, Tesla owners, he did a poll of 450 Tesla owners and still fervent supporters, but starting to think that, you know what, it's no longer uh, rabbit, no longer rabbit. So, David, the moment of truth in China. Now, I personally think this is not the moment of truth. I think people like Tesla, but uh, I just want to say that if Tesla survives the moment of truth call from Wedbush, then it's to the moon, YOLO. Really? To the moon? YOLO. All right. Uh, yeah. Still, still down on the year, as you point out. A Kathy Wood stock along with some of those others that we mentioned earlier right. in terms of uh, gene editing. Um, but still down, uh, though, as I, as I said, you know, a, a, a big rebound from, from its recent lows, Jim. Yes, and I do think that it's it's largely regarded as the leader of highest growth, and it has a lot of followers. David, as you've correctly pointed out over and over again, this group suddenly the high growth stocks since since the beginning of May have been on fire. We don't talk about them enough. A lot of them, including David, a lot of the SPACs have made major comebacks based on nothing. Good point. Well, we're going to be watching uh, watching those names and a lot of others because we've got an opening bell, Jim, coming up right after this. Stay with us. Virgin Galactic shares building on Friday's 39% gain. U.S. authorities, as you know, allowing the company to start carrying paying passengers to the edge of space. Uh, today, Jim, it's Bernstein. They say, look, the market cap's too high unless the business goes bananas in the 2030s. But they also say it's a risky short. Well, one of the things that's happened is there's there's still a lot of traditionalists who want to relate. David's going to love this, but he's at what is he? He's at vacationing somewhere. Uh, the fundamentals have been completely divorced from the companies because the companies are kind of like David. The companies are like Monopoly. 
I mean, you know, Virgin Galactic has gone from being Connecticut, I don't know, being Pennsylvania, uh, Pennsylvania, the railroad. What do you think? I mean, you know what I mean? It, it's just, it doesn't have anything to do with the business, and it just has to do with the, the trading card. Am I right, or do you get a different well, perspective up there, wherever well, you are? They are at least wherever I am, yeah. Don't you worry. I'll be, I'll be back soon enough, in person, right next to you, torturing you. Um, Jim, come on. I mean, you know, they are going to be sending people into space. They got FAA approval to do so. Now, you want to talk about the fundamentals of the business underlying the stock price? Sure, we can. And perhaps when they actually start to do it and people see what the price is and how many people really have signed up and what orders look like, there can be a, a logical conversation about what it's worth. But right now, it's just, hey, they got approval. They're going to do it. that I know of, Carl. No, not yet. Not yet. But then again, when Beachbody's ringing the bell, anything can happen. Yep. That is Beachbody at the big board celebrating an IPO today. Uh, the Beachbody company at the NASDAQ, it's Corvell Corporation. Um, bunch of moves on the Russell reconstitution from Friday, Jim. What, what, should, it view, what should viewers know about that, that uh, rebalancing well, reconstitution? A lot of the meme stocks got more buying. Uh, and uh, what I thought was interesting was it didn't hurt the market. The week before, the rebalancing did hurt the market. This one didn't. There must be so much money coming into this market. This market is deluge, Carl, with money. And I used to talk about with David the uh, over the transfer money that would come in on Monday. I think it's back. People want to be in stocks. People don't want to be in CDs. They'll buy AMC because of uh, it had a lot of people come this weekend, right? I mean, they had a big, big crowd for that. Yeah. Uh, they just put out a press release a couple of moments ago, uh, David. Uh, Two million people at uh, locations in, uh, in the United States between Thursday and Sunday. And we know that F9, our parent company's uh, new sequel of the Fast and Furious franchise, 70 million box office, that's the biggest debut since COVID began. Yeah, that's a big test right there. A lot of people have been focused on F9, given the strength of the franchise for so many years and how it would do uh, sort of setting a new bar here post-pandemic. Uh, and it did very well, as you point out. You know, we talked a lot about AMC's ability to sell stock, uh, uh, Jim, given the incredible rise in those shares. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it. Carnival Cruise just hits the wires. Uh, they're also selling another $500 million worth of, uh, of stock from time to time through uh, at-the-market equity offerings, which, of course, is something we've seen. But we've talked so often, Jim, about the ability of companies, perhaps that we thought were in somewhat dire straits, to raise not just debt, but surprisingly so, equity in the capital markets throughout uh, these very difficult period, this very difficult period that they went through. But, David, don't you find that it's interesting that no one talks about dilution? I mean, remember when you no. offer stock, it, 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 there is dilution. Unless maybe you offer stock and you, uh, like AMC can offer stock and go buy back uh, bonds that are uh, selling at a fraction of, of par. But, David, in general, I used to think it's great when you sell stock in order to be able to stay in business. But if you ever have earnings, the earnings are uh, really kind of uh, knocked down considerably, David. I mean, but no one ever talks about that. 
No, few people talk about dilution for some reason, or at least maybe there's a lack of understanding among some of the shareholder base and some of these names, Jim, as to exactly what it means. Uh, are you, you, are you out, saying, David, yeah. David, I, I need to know, are uh, you saying yeah. that perhaps the Wall Street bets people, are you saying that they may not understand the concept of dilution? Are you saying that they're not studying with Buffett and Munger? Is that where you're going? I, you know, I think there's a great diversity of, uh, of insight on that community, and I'm sure that there are people who are well aware of the dilution but feel like the ability to raise the money is going to be overall a positive for these companies. And then perhaps, Jim, there are people who are not quite as familiar with the term and or the idea of, of shares uh, and earnings uh, right. and how that actually works on a per-share basis, yes. Carly does raise a good point. Diversity, what is it, diversity of understanding? What do you mean? He is such an ambassador. Of, he must be at the. Are you like at the UN or at the White House, David? Right now, I mean, you're some. You're a diplomat. The house is where, very white. Where, are you in the this, this house is James? Very what white. are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> I'm in a secret location, Jim. You know, de- dealing with some yard issues. Yeah. So you know, what can I tell you? But, uh, uh, hey, but David, that's that's the hybrid model that everybody's living. It should be no different on television. Exactly. That's right. You know, this you got some things Jamie to take Dimon care of. This is why Jamie says you can work at home, right? I mean, who knows? Was USB? It's it was probably it not UBS the last time you you're going to see me here, guys. Right, did you get a deer yeah. tractor? I mean, are you mowing the lawn? <laughs> Gonna, I may try. Could be the first and last time that you actually see me do that, Jim. <laughs> Speaking of hybrid, I mean, diverse. you know, we talk about <laughs> we talk about it a lot, guys. Uh, what was it? UBS is going to let what two thirds of employees adopt permanent hybrid work? Yeah, I thought that was interesting, particularly in light of uh, that in financial services, as we've discussed many times. At least some of the well-known names, such as Goldman right. Sachs, Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan. Um, have a different view. Um, but right. this is, you know, I continue to believe this is an incredibly important business story uh, as so many management teams try to figure out what to do post-pandemic, how many right. days people should be coming in or not coming in, and what it's going to mean. They all say, well, people have been incredibly productive being at home. Okay. But there are other things that I think are harder to measure, Jim and, and Carl. Uh, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see over time the success of organizations that go with the hybrid model versus perhaps ones that are a bit more traditional, at least, in their thoughts about people in the office. Right. And we're going to see some C-cars, uh, some return to capital soon. Yep. I yep. think Wells is going to be able to buy back as much 13%. David, is it possible? Some people feel like this is a vacation when they're away. Do you think it's possible that at Credit Suisse they're having an intellectual vacation? Credit Suisse, we're back to. Not UBS. I was talking about UBS, so this is the other name. Oh, come on, that in, was like in, one of the funniest things I've ever said. If you were here, you'd be like, that on was the floor very laughing. good. That was really good. I, you know, uh, Credit Suisse has some real issues, Jim. I think it's fair to say that. Well, I, There's I, the a reason grain I of potential that talent there as a result of the problems that they've had. I know, because you, uh, of Arcegos, I wanted you to bring up the, the, Ar- the Arcegos. There, because of well, that uh, stock Jim's price referring, that we're yeah. looking at right now. And Jim's referring to this interview that the UBS chief gave uh, to, a, I think, a Swiss newspaper, which he said he thought Archegos was a, quote, unique event. Yes. Uh, well, it was unique. I've never seen anything quite like it. None of us really have. You know, it's funny. I think we still don't talk about it quite enough. I mean, the losses alone at UBS, right, exceeding more than $5 billion, but across Wall Street, over $10 billion. I, I, it's still... Hard to imagine as we sat there every day, of course, guys talking about Viacom and Discovery and a couple of other stocks that we were less aware of. 
and the lack of transparency. It's on the it's on the SEC's list. It's got to be another thing that Gensler's got to potentially deal with. The lack of transparency right. and the total return swap market and the fact that nobody had any idea that this one guy at his family office owned, what, 25 percent of Viacom, 25 percent of Discovery. The numbers incredible. were incredible. Uh, the losses were incredible for Credit Suisse and pointed to a lack of risk management there. And they've suffered as a result, in part because their best performers who can leave are at least considering doing so. Right now, Viacom, David, continues to sneak up on heavy volume. It's up again another 73 cents. Now, we don't really know where the stock should have been because of what happened. But it does, it has definitely found a floor here. And what's Bob Backish up to? Is he, because I, I have to be impressed at, uh, with some of the things that he's doing. And are they going to give him free reign to do more? Or do you think that people just say, you know what, this is the time to sell? I don't know the answer uh, to whether it's the time to sell or not, uh, Jim. I think, listen, they're like so many of these companies focused to a, to a large extent on their direct-to-consumer platform, Paramount+, Plus, um, and making certain decisions about, uh, about content and waiting, frankly, for the back end of this year or even early next year to introduce a lot more content, given the delays that, uh, that COVID brought in terms of the ability to produce but that's where the focus is right now, I think, for Viacom. You know, we can talk all we want about potential consolidation. Last week, that journal referenced the Comcast. But really, as far as I can tell, at this point, they're much more focused on just trying to execute against that vision in terms of directing consumer, get those numbers up. Because as you well know, Jim, in particular, your focus on Disney of late, that is where so many investors in this sector are focused in terms of at least trying to determine who is going to succeed or not. Uh, for the future. Meanwhile, uh, record high, as you can see, on the S&P, record high NAS, Microsoft all-time high, and Jim, NVIDIA is really just a little more than $100 from that 900 target we keep talking about. Right. In NVIDIA, there was a, a, some press over the weekend. They've gotten support uh, of Marvell Technology, Broadcom, and MediaTek, that's a Taiwanese giant company, fabulous company, uh, to be able to buy ARM. This is important because, uh, David, you know this is a real breaking of the ranks with uh, companies that were uh, opposed to this deal. Uh, China objection still important there, David? Say it. Wait, say that again, Jim. Sorry, I lost well, you for a second uh, so on audio. Marvell, Marvell Broadcom, you know, Hoktan, and MediaTek are now saying, you know what, we like this deal. We're, we have no problems with this deal. But there's still China to contend with. You know if NVIDIA gets this, it could be game, set, match when it comes to even cell phones. What are you hearing about possible Chinese objection? You know, Jim, there is still a big question. There is still a big question, uh, Jim, in terms of their ability. Sorry, guys, let me just the old working from home thing. Um, the ability of them to get approval from from uh, from Samer. Uh, you know, frankly, remember analog devices, Maxim? You remember that deal. They're yes. still waiting on that. That was quite some time ago. Wow, so that's so I, not you know, strategic. I, NVIDIA seems to, to be, I don't want to say alone, because obviously they've got some support now amongst their customers as well. But there are many people who continue to believe it's going to be a very difficult road for them, both in China and still in the UK, where we, we know the review has not been completed as of yet. Jim, and I know you're following it closely uh, and believe and it will be a very Jensen, strong deal you know should that. they actually be able to close it. But I would certainly say, at least in terms of pe- speaking to people who follow these things closely, there are still a lot of doubts that they will be able to get to the finish line. But we'll have to wait and see. I'm not betting against Jensen one. He, he's been too right. 
Carl, uh, it was interesting to see these companies break ranks because Hawk, these are a nice variety of companies that are that are breaking. I had Marvell Tech on recently. You had Marvell and Tech Check. Yep. Yep. And you know they're competitive guys. I mean, by the way, that guy is like he's like a quadrathlon. I mean, at one point, I, I mean, I, I swear to God, he can he can he can kill me with his two fingers. You know, he Matt and Murphy. Strauss, you'd have no, you'd have oh, no, no chance. Oh no, no, Strauss and, and Strauss does that by eating a lot of ostrich meat. Uh, but Mar- Mar- Marbella, uh, uh, all-time high here, and I I just think these are very important. They could be the first dominoes of companies that favor this deal. I am with Jensen Wong. I think Nvidia goes to 900. Yeah. And by the way, Nvidia, the dog. Thank you for all the well wishes. He's uh, has very good. He's trained. In, he's 13 weeks and has hey, a proclivity to know what to do. Well, you know what. It, you know what I mean. Um, keep the, those pictures coming, Jim. We I love, will. We love seeing his progress. I do want to ask you about energy. Uh, oil's down almost a buck. Uh, Chevron dragging down the Dow. The sector's weak, even though these airstrikes last night. I was surprised, but boy, oil's been so hot. I don't want to bet against it. Uh, I thought that you know there is an OPEC meeting. I know that there is a level where the Saudis don't want oil to go to. Now, oil is it's, it's getting harder and harder to drill in this country, harder and harder to build to have pipe. But uh, the Saudis don't want to see the rig count up. It's creeping up. The Saudis, David, the Saudis know that there is a level where we open the spigot in the Permian. So there is a level where the Saudis don't have any interest and we're closing on 2018 highs. What are you hearing? Because we know that if America comes back into play, well, I mean, you have enough money here to be able to both return capital to shareholders and drill. That's the nightmare for the Saudis. I mean, listen, I, you know, what I'm hearing, it's more what you're hearing. Where are we in the Permian in terms of where, where our highs were and where we are right now, Jim? Uh, we're down 1.9 million barrels. 1.9 million barrels okay. from our height. And that is strictly because uh, these companies have decided to return capital. Uh, they have, uh, you, Carl, I remember the late Aubrey McLennan bumped into his son the other day. And Aubrey was a, a friend of Mad Money. Late Aubrey McLennan always said that Oil companies don't know how to do anything other than drill. He said there are other companies if they recognize that they've been they're putting out too much product, they stop. But not oil people. And for the first time, oil companies have religion. They've been they've been holding back. It's interesting. There's a couple stories on the wire today about shale companies not getting sloppy, right? Right. In the way that oil and I guess maybe hotels have been hotels too right they know to build hotels and they know to drill 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 and I think the discipline that the oil companies are showing has allowed for this price to go up uh, I do think that pioneer has been the leader in this they've been acquiring with stock uh, but when you deal with some of these companies and deal with Scott Sheffield he, he's the dean now uh, the stock, I think, is very cheap. at one. I would buy it at 160. Right. And I had been against the oil companies, but they've all kind of redis- they've all kind of discovered the environment. Yeah. Although, I mean, looking at those hotel prices a moment ago, some of this might be nervousness about the variant. Yes. In, in Europe, especially. I think so. I mean, I, I think that it turns out we don't know. I mean, look, I feel that I feel that I have Moderna. I feel like that. Maybe I've got a couple of years going here before I need something. I- well, there's a story in the Times this morning, David, that some of these studies are now suggesting that the protection from the vaccine could last for years and that you, like a booster in the fall is by no means assured. Yeah, uh, which would be great news, at least for Moderna and Pfizer, right? It's those two, of course, that have been that have been the key. Um, 
And yet at the same time, we've got the World Health Organization, Jim, recommending that even with uh, a vaccine that people wear masks when the, because of the Delta variant. It becomes, again, very confusing to sort of judge the level of caution that is being shared by some of the larger you know, advisory bodies on, on health issues in the world and or in this country as well, given what we've gotten from the CDC over this last year. Yeah, there is tremendous confusion. I mean, Carl, one of the things that Dr. Godley's been saying is, look, we're okay. Uh, I feel very protected by this Moderna situation. And now maybe it's because of where we live. I have not met, other than when I went to the middle of Pennsylvania, I've not not met anyone who's proud of not being vaccinated. I can't imagine anybody who would have any regrets. Yeah. Uh, Any regrets. We're all in here uh, mask-free on this floor today. Right. Um, and uh, I would argue probably just about everybody who's in this building has been vaccinated. Yep. And when you go to a restaurant now, it's pretty much business as normal. People are shaking hands. You know, Dr. Gottlieb did not shake hands before the pandemic. Now, there's a man with some surety about, what, about how germs are passed. <laughs> yeah. But, Carl, I find that when you go out here, the big issue is can you get a table? Can you get a table? It's like you need more pull to get it. David, you need pull to get a table in Chipotle. <laughs> Things are all out, man. Things are all yeah. out. There's no doubt what about that. You're right. Uh, so on these new highs, uh, Dow, as we said, getting dragged down by some travel and energy names. Let's get to Bob Pisani. Morning, Bob. Good morning. Mon- happy Monday, Carl. Good to see everybody. Uh, last week of the first half, we got a new high in the S&P. We're up 2% this month, but not a lot of new highs. Um, NVIDIA is one of the few ones. You, you get this when tech leads. For the month, tech's been leading. You get these stealthy rallies and the market moves forward. Uh, Market cap weighted S&P moves forward more than the equal weighted S&P. There you see energy down. But that's been the leader all month. I mean, energy stocks have had a great run this month. And there you see industrials and banks. There you see the cyclical sectors kind of falling down again. This this rotation that we kept seeing. Just take a look at what's going on for the month. Again, tech has been the leader. Come back. This has been the big comeback month, June, for tech stocks. Energy is leading, but it's only 2.5% of the S&P 5. It's not big enough to actually move the S&P around. Tech is. And you see the cyclical groups, the industrials and materials uh, on top of banks, all notably lower. So there's that rotation from uh, out of value and into the growth sectors. Uh, Under the market, we've got that tremendous rotation, though. We keep talking about that thematic tech also making a comeback in addition to big cap technology. So cloud computing, Kathy Wood's ARC innovation. In fact, all of the ARC funds uh, up notably. Internet stocks, fintech, Lithium and battery all to the upside. Solar stocks are up 7 or 8%. So here's that rotation. These all got clobbered, notably, in February, March, and large parts of April, all now back. So where are we right now? It's a, the global growth story is improving. That's the key story. We're sort of relaxed on inflation. I think the Fed's winning the argument for the moment. That could change. Uh, peak everything remains the primary motif for the market. It's been a little sideways other than last week when we had a very good week. P.E. still pricey. We're 20 times 2022 earnings. That's, remember, folks, at 20 times, that's 10 to 12 percent earnings growth for 2022. The historic average earnings growth is around 6 percent. So it's going to be another great year, uh, expectations at least, for 2022. It's going to be another uh, great year. But there are risks. So the big risk to the market is that pricey multiple right now. So there's, there's, there's two things here that can ha- affect that multiple. Number one, the Fed could be wrong on inflation. We could have a major problem. That would be a big issue. The multiple would drop on that. 
and we should have a sharper drop in growth than anticipated, particularly on earnings growth. So far, that's not happening, and that's why we're doing so well. If you look at the early reporters, the companies that report early, uh, the Nikes, Adobe, Kroger, Lennar, Oracle, terrific earnings, all of them above expectation across the board. The only disappointment has been Nike, and Nike was a disappointment because it was in line, and the whisper numbers, they're back. Uh, Carl had been much higher than expected for uh, for FedEx. So other than FedEx, everything, the early reporters have been outstanding. And remember something, earnings are still rising. Even last week, if you put them up, you can see the earnings rising for the third quarter and for the fourth quarter, Carl. And as long as those numbers keep holding up or even rising, the market's going to hold up. Carl, back to you. Bob, thanks. We'll see you in a bit. Uh, Bob Pisani. Take a break here. We'll look at how Treasuries are uh, doing this morning. A busy week on the economic front. A lot of macros uh, headed our way with the PMIs, the ISM, Jobs Friday. Yields are in the red. Ten-year below 149. And we got that brief record high on the S&P, but uh, the banks, energy, transports down a percent having an impact. We're back in a moment. Bit of a volatile weekend for Bitcoin. Uh, Binance, big exchange, banned by regulators in the UK. But we're back above uh, 34.2, almost a 5% gain for uh, Bitcoin. We'll watch crypto at large. Dow's down 116. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. One of my favorite analysts is Mark Mahaney. He's at Evercore. And he puts out a piece today saying Oculus, virtual reality, actual needle mover, strategic importance. And that's one of the reasons why Facebook is moving. This is incredible, Carl, because I think a lot of people felt it was ever since 2014 it was a throwaway. Nothing's a throwaway when it comes to Facebook. It's another reason to buy. So let's keep that in mind as you see that stock really breaking out. Wow. Uh, not quite an all-time high but after Friday, but awfully close wow. uh, today on FB. It's getting bigger and bigger yeah. market cap. I'm excited about tonight's guest. We have Etsy. They just bought the so-called Brazilian Etsy. Uh, it's the leader right now. It's one of the five uh, top in the, in the market today. And one of the things I really like about Etsy is, is that this is really the anti-mall, uh, anti-Amazon to some degree. Uh, and, you know, those who have sold on it know, or those who have bought on it, and we bought extensively on it for our bar and restaurant, you really, there's great follow-through. Like, we bought all our beer taps at Longshoremen there. Hmm. From someone who made them in Germany, bought all our aprons who made them in Britain. It's a great marketplace. People should go there. So now we got Brazil, 1.8 million uh, uh, people in Brazil, and uh, tens of thousands of people who make crafts down there. Wow, I can't wait to see that tonight. Yeah, it's going to be great. We'll see you at you. 6. Yes, that's money, of course. Maybe uh, Dave will get that yard work done. <laughs> I can come back to work. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.